The Voyage of the Page Turner, Episode 9, Lost on the Amazon. Oh yeah, welcome to Voyage of the Page Turner, the choose-your-own page-turning podcast with me, comedian Colin Lego. Thanks for tuning in. Is that what you call it when it's a podcast? Because you don't really tune in, do you? It's not a radio. But thanks for listening, downloading, however you get your podcast. I'm rambling. Uh, It's been a crazy week in the Voyage of the Page Turner universe. Two episodes. Oh, two episodes out in as many days. Oh, it's gone crazy. Well, I say two episodes. One is this episode, which is an actual episode, episode nine. And the other one is a bonus episode. Why not? A little bonus gift for you. Released yesterday, which was Valentine's Day. Yeah, February the 14th. And that makes me laugh because it's probably the most unromantic episode you could probably think of for a Valentine's Day. So that's why I put it there, because uh, there's some irony there. Um, Anyway, if you haven't listened to the bonus episode, I I urge you to. It was so much fun to do. It was really, really fun. And it's a bit of a step away from our usual content, which is the multiple choice 1980s adventure books. Uh, It's not based on one of those. It's actually an interview, an improvised, characterful interview with my voiceover guy, Samuel Thomas. And it was a pleasure to do. And talking to Samuel in character was hilarious. So do go and check it out. Um, Here's a little snippet of you to wet your whistle. I tell you what a lot of people don't realise. The most comfortable thing you can wear around the house is always a shell suit. uh, How does the shell suit uh, go along with the naked flames you have around, the candles? Not great. Mm. I'll admit, not great. Mm. I mean, I I have some very uncomfortable injuries uh, that are still... But I've never burned the place down. So you tell me what a hazard is, because I'm doing just fine. Mm. Oh, I left all the fires on upstairs, didn't I? Ah, well, it'll be fine then. Uh, 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 Well, hopefully. Have you ever burnt yourself on any of the candles? Frequently, yes, frequently. Uh, One arm has no hair on it, uh, pretty much year-round, because I can't seem to get three months without burning myself to a crisp on on that arm. Uh, I I was a hairy man, uh, certainly with my back and chest and... And, and the rest of me, but uh, that changed uh, around about 16 years ago oh. when I set fire to 87% of the hair on my body. Oh, you, know, you don't um, have to take your shell suit. No, please don't take that off to show me. Mm. Oh, that's a shame. You see it. That's yeah, a so shame. This, this is the, you know, oh, well, I mean, a lot of people don't understand, but if you look at my back, look at the back. It's, it's, it Good. looks a lot. Gosh. A lot. Wow. Does it not look? It looks like a Mitchell brother winking at you. Can what? you see it? But you've added to that. that you've made it look like Phil Mitchell. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh yes. Well, my other friend, well, one of my my inner circle here is a tattoo artist. Wow. So if I just flex my shoulder blades, huh? oh, sorry, I felt a little bit sick yeah. then. Sorry. That. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, oh sorry. Never seen him that... do that. Now, do you want to see oh. him Beale? No. Uh, where? No. 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 Well, come on. Oh, oh come on. Take a go. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. That that's is... right. Now. Ah. Oh, how have you ever seen it? How do you uh, do that? Stop it. Yeah, no, it's not easy. It's not easy. Oh, oh that is... I've done my back. I've oh, done my back. That, oh, jeez. That was a uh, bit like... I've seen someone do something called the helicopter, but not the Ian mm. e Beale. That was awful. No, no, no. But, I mean, it's important that it, I wanted to represent my favourite period of Beale, which is the moustache period. Whoa. And that was, thankfully, easier. So, so yeah, not your Valentine's material there. It's just creepy and a little bit odd. But anyway, super fun to do. Do go and check it out. Anyway, here we are, episode nine. Today we are venturing to the Amazon River. Oh, I've never been. I've never been. So this book was exciting because it was my first experience of the Amazon. The closest I've got to being on like a huge river such as the Amazon, well, I've actually canoed down the Mississippi River. Oh, yeah. Huckleberry Finn. Thanks very much. Yeah, I was in America, um, obviously, because that's where the Mississippi River is, Colin. Yeah, geographical burke. Yeah, so I was in America, Madison in Wisconsin, and we travelled a little bit away from Madison, and we actually canoed down the Mississippi. If, if for any geography fans out there, tell me if I'm wrong on that, but Madison is where I think we started off from. 
then there was a little car journey and we ended up on the Mississippi and it was amazing we, we canoed down these little rivers and then suddenly out of nowhere we were in this massive expanse of water in the main body of the Mississippi with all the paddle steamers coming past us and it felt ridiculously like a movie anyway that's the closest I've got to being on a big river my only other river story is from when I was eight years old and I'm in Helston Cornwall a little Cornish town and eight-year-old Colin goes down the park with his gran. Oh, how lovely. They've bought a new football. How lovely. Eight-year-old Colin is going to kick the football around with his gran being the other player. How wonderful. We go into Helston Park and I boot the football and with that first kick, the ball goes into the river. Now my gran leaps into action, oh yeah, leaps into action and jumps into said river and not having grippy shoes, slips and sort of just gets swept away down the quite fast flowing river. So then eight year old Colin is panicked. What does he do? He runs back to the car where his granddad, who has just had two hip replacements, is sat in the car having a nap. Quick, granddad, grand's falling in the river. Okay, Cole, don't panic, I'm on my way. And about 45 minutes later, because he can't walk very fast, Grandad gets to the river, and by that point, my gran has been hauled out of the river by some passing youths. I mean, it was a great day. It, it was a great day, in that no one ended up going to hospital with hypothermia. So yeah, every cloud. So here we are, episode nine, and I am very excited to be joined by an amazingly funny man all the way from the US. So US listeners there, you're going to love these accents because they're actually American accents, not my dodgy attempts. But there are some proper dodgy accents in this episode for all the bad accent fans out there who do get in touch every time I do a dodgy accent. So uh, strap on in and here we go. We are venturing to the Amazon in this episode nine of Voyage of the Page Turner. Damien Harmony is the co-creator and co-star of the hugely popular US-based pun show Capital Punishment. He is also the co-creator and co-star on A Geek History of Time, a podcast that dives deeply into geek culture and its historical influences on a myriad of topics. Damien has performed from Berlin to San Francisco, doing his own stand-up comedy that only occasionally involves puns, and has taught Latin for nearly 20 years. A clever and funny man, with a clear encyclopedic knowledge. But does he have enough common sense to avoid getting lost on the Amazon? Damien, it's lovely to have you here on our podcast. Welcome to Voyage of the Page Turner. Thank you, Colin. It's good to be here. Thank you. You are a very, very long way away from where I am. My my first international guest. Yay! So now you guys can make fun of my accent. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a bit scared because in the last episode, which was uh, episode eight, which was called Escape, I had to do some dodgy American accents. <laughs> so um, oh, Was that I'm, the one from New Orleans and, and from Boston? Because those were, those were delicious. They were, uh, yeah, no, I think that was in episode four. Four, yeah. Listen, I, I'm not a, an accent master, but hey, we've got the real thing here. Whereabouts are you at the moment? I'm in California, Sacramento, California, capital of California, uh, sixth largest economy in the world that we like to brag about, even though we don't do anything about it. Uh, uh, but yeah, we, we make a lot of money off the arts and then we disdain art. So it's it's really nice out here. It's, it's great. Wow. Uh, it's easy to do American accents. All you do is slow down uh, UK accents. That's really? all it is. They're just slowed down. Yeah. <laughs> like if you just talk like, you, like you're really, really drunk <laughs> and trying not to be, then you sound like you're from South Carolina. Could I ask you, have you, would you ever attempt what you would call a British accent? I would, but it would sound like I'm from Virginia. You know, hand me that beer over there. <laughs> now speed yeah. it up. Hand me that beer over there. Okay. And that's that's Virginia. And then the further south you go, the warmer the climate and the slower people talked. Uh, also cuz there were prisoners shipped over, so they just weren't much for reading. So, uh, you know, you have a lot of that. <laughs> See, where I'm originally from, which is Cornwall, the uh, the pace of life uh, in Cornwall is slower than <laughs> other parts of the UK. So, the accent down there is very slow and very mm-hmm. relaxed. Yeah. 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 Uh, that would that would give you you know the Carolinas maybe you know a little further inland. Um, there's one place in so California pretends that we don't have an accent, but we absolutely do. We talk through our nose. 
Um, we we say the word like for every any any verbal tick we use the word like for. Uh, our our best modifier for things is the word hella. Um, you know, I'm 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 hella into this yogurt. Uh, you know that kind of thing. Uh, but in Alabama, they add an extra syllable, and that's the trick to getting their accent. Is you just yeah. add an extra syllable. So any any it's like Christopher Walken, but slowed down. So if you want to say war, <laughs> it's wawa. Oh. And then you speed it up, and it, you know it's Christopher Walken wawa. You know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm a Latin teacher, so I love <laughs> okay. playing with accents and stuff, you know, and, and messing with, with the way words work. But I'm terrible at doing accents, probably because I get too into my head about them. So thank you for joining me. I, I'm, I'm pleased I got you on board. The I've known you through the punning world. So you've been doing some pun shows during lockdown and before lockdown. This lockdown has been quite fruitful for comedy, right? <laughs> yes and no. Um, so we, we here in California have two populations of people, those who believe in science and those who think that open mics are a valuable thing to go to. Um, and and damn the torpedoes. Uh, so I would say that comedy has dried up for people who get paid to do comedy. It's been kind of nice because I've gotten to meet an international community. Like we've had people on our show from the UK, from uh, Australia, other side of the Commonwealth. And uh, we, we've, we've been able to hook up with all kinds of people. And that's been a lot of fun. I've been on um, the UK show. Uh, a few times to the point where now people identify my style even when I'm not there because if somebody's taking you know 30 seconds to a minute to set up a pun they're like wow add another 400 words to that and it's a Damien pun <laughs> so, so I like that my brand is out there yeah uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah so it's it's been a lot of fun I've gotten to meet some really fun people turns mm. out there's a large overlap between American and British punters who like wrestling one of them is me. I, I was going to talk to you about this on this podcast because the books are from the 1980s. I was very much into my 1980s British wrestling. My big daddies, yes. my giant haystacks. Yes. How has that come into your world? It's, it's very British. <laughs> it is. It is. So there was a graphic novel about the history of pro wrestling that I picked up a couple years ago. And mm. it's, it's really good because it, it spends time talking specifically about Big Daddy and and his mm. influence and, and everything that went on over there. Um, but I am, I am, I was told recently by a comic, uh, because I was analyzing the movie A Quiet Place um, and pointing out the political interpretations of it, and he's like, well, they would just die because they'd fart, right? And I was like, okay, well, there goes 30 pages of theory that I had, but... Uh, <laughs> it's very true, also. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, but he told me, he said, you don't enjoy anything casually, do you? And I was like, no, I really don't. Um, mm. And so wrestling is one of those things. Like, I mm. I have, I think I've done about 10 different episodes on the history of wrestling now and how it relates to the culture of the time. Um, and so as a result of that, I've dove, dove, dive in, Dave, dove, Del Del delved, delved. She, Possibly. I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I went deep uh, uh, on several um, several aspects of wrestling. So British wrestling came to me by way of certain British wrestlers. Mm. Uh, and then I traced it back to, you know, where they got their starts and the Carney start and the fact that there were five minute rounds in Germany and sometimes in England as well. And just uh, it was just really interesting to see. Um, so I've kind of circled around it, similar to my answer to this question, I suppose. Um, it's a Damien answer. Uh, so I've, I've circled around it a couple of times, um, but uh, I, I haven't done a deep dive on British wrestling uh, per se, but I have a, a working understanding of the history of it. Right. Okay. Yeah, that was one sentence I could have just said out loud. <laughs> I'm looking forward to when we do some choices in the book because they can take an hour each. I think. <laughs> I feel like Damon just pick seventy-two or three. Like just you know, flip a coin. Damn it, odds or uh, evens. My my one of my favorite stories from when I was a child and and wrestling. I used to watch mm -hmm. it every weekend with my dad on the TV, mm -hmm. and. Uh, the wrestling came to our town. It came to Falmouth. Those mm -hmm. wrestlers, Big Daddy, Giant Haystacks, they were fighting in our local theatre, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And we were about four rows back. We went to watch it. And, of course, we were all cheering for Big Daddy. Yay. And then uh, Giant Haystacks, who was losing, mm -hmm. leant over the ropes 
and he was such a big guy, intimidating guy. And he looked straight at me, a, a six-year-old, and went, stop it or I'll come and find you. And I did not <laughs> sleep for about three weeks. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's, so, not, that's not nice. No, but that's great heat. Like that's, I mean, he's specifically head, heading towards you, which means everybody around you yeah. is now going to hate him extra. That's, you know. It's cheap heat, but it's that's that's great. I mean, he scarred a six-year-old for many, many years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see the downside. I really, you know, there's plenty of six-year-olds. It's it's fine. Yeah, I always talk to my guests also about uh, when they were younger and going out and hanging out with their friends in the uh, where wherever you hang out. I, but let's talk mm-hmm. about that. When you were younger, what did you what did you do for adventures? Did you have woods and uh, forest, or was it more suburban? Well, my my family moved around a lot, and you could tell by the the job that my dad had at the time uh, where we were living because it was very much ec- economically based. So mm. by the time I got to the point where I was reading choose your own adventure books, we mm. were um, I think you'd call it a flat. Um, we call it an apartment. Uh, we were in a flat in San Francisco, um, mm. and uh, back then kids were getting abducted all the time. Uh, it was kind oh. of a thing. And they were on the back of milk cartons. Uh, oh, right. And, uh, and yet we still all roamed free all day long. Uh, so, because that's, that's the, you know, just like teach your kid to wear a whistle. Um, I didn't know why I had to wear a whistle, but I had to wear a whistle. Uh, and we, we'd play hopscotch over hypodermic needles and stuff like that. So we could go wherever we wanted because it was safer than our neighborhood. Wow. So oh I would, gosh. with my allowance, I would go down to and people who live in california will know this uh, i would go down to the pizzeria just a little further up there's this place called green apple books mm-hmm. and just down from that was a it was like right there where like the intersection of like where chinatown and little italy kind of intersect and blend in with each other so you got a pizzeria and then you've got like rabbits hanging in a window in the next place over you know and so I would go there and there were um, rice balls wrapped in banana leaves with a little bit of meat inside and you get two of those for a dollar and that'd fill me up for the whole day and I would just go all over town like just all over the neighborhood we would we would go into abandoned buildings and uh, we would pull up linoleum so I'll probably die of mesothelioma Um, but we'd pull up linoleum so we could break dance right so yeah, we'd have rock fights. Um, there were a bunch of Irish kids on one side of the street and Palestinian kids on the other. So we would have a two-state solution. It was great. Wow. That was more uh, dangerous than I thought the answer was going to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got a big old knot on my head once because I stood up while the barrage was coming in and I forgot to grab my uh, my trash can lid. So, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we loved throwing rocks at each other for some reason. So when when I say about adventures, going on an adventures when you were a kid, I, I I think the biggest adventure I went was I sat in a tree for a day. You were literally fighting for your life. <laughs> but, but none of us meant it maliciously. That was literally fun. It was we would chew on weeds like that tasted like lemon, but it was probably dog urine, and we would just <laughs> grab rocks and throw them at each other. Like, but it was. We were picking teams like it was basketball. Yeah. Like there was yeah. no no hostility. It was just like, okay, what are we going to do? There's a bunch of rocks over there. Let's do it. There's an abandoned building over there. Let's go strip it. You know, and it was just, you know, none of us made any money off it. So we weren't even good at hustling. But like, you know, we we engaged in mayhem. So, wow. How, yeah. exci- how exciting. I mean, it does sound exciting compared to my very quaint <laughs> Cornish village that I grew up in. Now, I've been, to this, I've been to America twice, and I'm always fascinated by the differences in our confectionaries. Uh, there's lots of similarities, but uh, back, you know, we're, we're talking back, back when these books were around and when you were younger, uh, sweets were a big thing in your life. You were talking about the snacks you bought, but, but confectionery, how did that go down? So you mean, uh, we call that candy, is that what you're... Candies, yeah. So, yeah, your, your chocolates, your yeah, your sucky sweets, all those type of things, you know, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, my mom would get uh, the National Enquirer. It was kind of like our version of The Sun. Um, mm. And she'd get a Lickamade. And so it was basically three pouches of sugar and a sugar stick that you would lick, stick it in there, and then lick that flavored sugar off. Ah. And then when she was done with it, she would throw me what was left of the stick. And I do mean throw it, because I'd be across the room doing whatever, and she'd be like, here you go, and she'd toss it to me. So I'd get that. Uh, other than that, I'd blow my allowance on 
Let's see, typically peanut buttery, chocolatey snacks. So your Reese's, your Reese's stuff, all that stuff. Yeah, okay. I liked pieces better than I liked the cups for the longest time. Mm. Uh, but uh, then I then I graduated to the cups, and then I realized uh, where my heart really was because when you buy Reese's peanut butter cups, and someone wants one, you have to decide right then and there: Am I going to give away half of what I've invested my happiness in, or am I? Because because they're individually packaged, so if you break off a piece, you're clearly a miser, um, and it's you don't true. value that person. Yes. Yeah. So you're either going to say no, I'm my own person, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm reading Ayn Rand, so I'm going to go over here with these, or you're going to be like, yeah, you know what? We're all in this together. Here you go. You can have half of what I had. I hadn't counted on giving it to you, but now we'll both enjoy the same amount. So. Right. Yeah. yeah, so I did Reese's Pieces because I was less mature and I could dole out two or three and nobody would have a problem with it. <laughs> From a selfish point of view, it was Reese's yeah. Pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good economic situation there. Oh, I, I discovered uh, fairly recently in my life the white chocolate uh, mm. peanut butter cups. Yes. My gosh, that is, that is something else. Yeah, yeah. it's. I, I actually I went the other way. I went dark chocolate in my adult mm. life. And if I can get them in the smaller versions, yeah. it's even better because it feels more concentrated and crunched. So, wow. yeah. But let's see. Yeah, growing up, it was it was that. Um, there was an ice cream shop down the road from me um, that I could... And I would get allowance once a week, and it would be like $2. Mm-hmm. And I'd blow most of it on... I You know, if, if I was going to go downtown and, and go to the bookstore, then I'd keep 50 cents so I could get one of those buns. Um, because, you know, oddly enough, uh, I had a, a South American snake and he didn't want any food unless it had that bun. So my anaconda didn't want none unless it had bun, hun. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But no, I didn't have, I didn't have a snake. We couldn't afford that. You kidding me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I would, I would blow most of my allowance on garbage candy. So, but yeah, the, the yeah. more peanut butter, the better. So you were saying to me uh, off air that um, you uh, these books, these um, multiple choice adventure books, they feature still in your life because of the next generation of readers. Yeah, a couple years back, um, my daughter was really getting into reading, mm. um, and my son was kind of on the brink. He's a little older, but he prefers live action playing to reading, um, and she was diving into reading, and I I found a bunch of choose your own adventure books online and ordered them for her birthday and she went gaga for them uh so yeah and it's kind of cool because i'll see the cover of some books and be like i remember checking that out of the library once yes so you know there's one with a blonde kid with a black turtleneck okay on the cover and i think it's like the mystery of the mayans or something and i remember specifically not wanting to read that one Right. And I don't remember why, but I think that the drawing just put me off. Okay. Uh, so, but yeah, they figured very big into probably third grade, fourth grade, especially mm-hmm. for me. And now my daughter is in third grade and she's blown through all these books and she's told me, I mean, I also got her really into mythology. And so she was telling me the pronunciation of some of the God's names in Norse mythology because she'd read the trumpet of whatever. Trumpet of Terror, I think. Yes, that, is. that one. Yeah. Trumpet of Terror. Right. So yeah. So it's 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 pretty cool. I told her that I was going to be on this, and she was very excited for me. Wow. All right. Well, you've you've stumbled in to uh, book nine in the series, which is Lost on the Amazon. Nice. Very, very exciting times. Let me. Uh, there's not much to tell you really uh, before we start the actual adventure. Usually, there's a checklist at the back of somebody's books to tell you what might happen in the books, but uh, not so much in Lost on the Amazon. What I will do though is I will put my glasses on uh-huh. because I'm I'm that age now, and I will read <laughs> you a quote from the front of the book. Oh, here we go. Matt Matt Harmon, aged eleven, said these books are like games correct sometimes the choice seems like it will solve everything but you wonder if it's a trap ah very nice right so i think that's something to bear in mind the the choice might sometimes seem the best choice but it could be a trap okay damien let's do this let's venture into book nine in this voyage of the page turner The Amazon River can be misleading. It appears slow and lazy, yet its depth and power have claimed many lives. 
Has the river taken your friends? Or are they wandering deep into the heart of the jungle darkness that rims its banks? Beware the strange power of the Amazon River, its many strange residents, and its many myths. Who knows what evil or good lurks around the bend? So... It's kind of colonial already. <laughs> it's many strange denizens. From your uh, knowledge of that area, it, mm -hmm. as little or big as it may be, what are you expecting to lurk around the bends? What could we imagine? Probably some union unrest. I think uh, Lula yes. was running for our office, and he was part of the union party in Brazil. Right. So I'm I'm expecting to uh, join a uh, leftist revolution uh, to give the land back to the indigenous peoples. Uh, that's that's definitely where I'm aiming. So, right. <laughs> although the very first sentence is your friends are missing. So this is yeah, you know, very Disney. Um, in that yeah. like you kill the mom before the credits even start, so that we now feel anxiety for the main character. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 figuring a couple possibilities, but probably some really awful um, like guerrilla groups of uh, landlords, hired thugs probably gonna gonna get involved in this so uh i i imagine also uh small planes might be involved as well as uh small boat craft well uh, from from the front of the book uh, there is definitely boats involved there you are okay. i would put money on that you're going to end up on some kind of canoe i would imagine given oh canoe oh okay i don't know uh, i mean i, I yeah. it looks like a canoe on the front but no that... i i don't doubt that they think that the author did enough research to know that canoes existed but not to figure figure out what kind of boats were on the amazon but yes <laughs> yeah yeah on the Amazon, I would imagine boats will figure. Uh, also on the front cover, there's a, a massive snake, someone firing a bow and arrow, um, and also someone with a feathery headdress. So a nod to the Yanomamo. That's good. Maybe we'll run into archaeologists who think they're doing, uh, or uh, anthropologists who think they're actually doing something useful. And as you know from these books, it all whatever you decide, is you live or die from your choices, so... Could be five minutes, could be five hours. <laughs> I was going to say, what's the shortest string of decisions that's been made so far? I think three. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. This this is going to turn into Name That Tune. Can I do this in two? <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to die in two moves? Well, I want to stand out for more than just being an American. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go. All Here right, we are. Let's do it. You are a doctor and your speciality is tropical diseases. After college and medical school, you worked in the remote jungle hospital in Africa. There you gained recognition for your work on malaria, black water fever, and the dreaded leprosy. I mean, it's gone very heavy already for a book for eight years. Wow, wow. It was a harder time back then. Kids were getting abducted. Uh, other kids were having rock fights. I, I get it. Like You, you want to appeal to the darkness in all of us. <laughs> okay. You have stopped at a hotel in Brazil, and it's the last major town on the Amazon River. Upstream from here, the river snakes into an almost impenetrable rainforest, dangerous and mysterious. A difficult case at the Hospital for Tropical Diseases delayed you coming to Brazil, but at last you have arrived. You are waiting to be picked up by one of your guides working for your expedition. The others went ahead from you 11 days ago. You approach the hotel desk and ask once again, are there any emails or faxes for me? A man at the desk smothers a yawn and answers in English with a heavy Portuguese accent. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> a lot of shizz sounds. Go for it. Portuguese. Now, what am I going to do for this? So imagine Spanish, but any S's can be a little bit. Oh, okay. Oh, dear. It's going to be fun. Uh, I, I, am, I am very, very sorry, Doctor, but I have been telling you all day long. There are no, I repeat, no messages for you. I mean... Okay, we did it. We did it. Yeah, we, we, we got it, it was done. I will agree with you. Yeah, fine. Okay, thanks. Just let me know if there are any messages, okay? But of course, but of course. In this part of the world, things go slowly. <laughs> okay. Um, 
He turns away from the front desk and sits down to his cup of thick black coffee. What now? You have been here a full day. No guide, no messages, no clues as to what to do next. It's as if the Amazon has swallowed all trace of your expedition. It's full on so far. Page two and I've already had to do an awful accent. Okay. Well, hang on just one second, please. Emails? In 1985. Emails, yeah. Now, whether they have maybe updated this book slightly and they're like a new print, I don't know. Must be. But you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Faxes, possibly. Sure, sure. But emails, yeah. I mean, I'm an important doctor. I could see having a fax. Okay, cool. (laughs) But... Yeah. But, you know, I I am a world leader. I mean, you know, I I came in and just on a lark, I solved a very difficult case um, 11 days ago. So yes, I, I I would understand how to use a fax machine, but emails, that's that's really quite something. You walk out of a three-story wooden framed hotel and across the street. The sun beats down, reflecting off the road in shimmering waves. The air is heavy, humid, and ripe with the smell of vegetation. A sweet smell that promises both life and death. You wander through the city and eventually end up at the river, where you sit on a bench and gaze at the water, lost in thought. The Amazon River at this point is broad and swift. You know it is the largest river in the world. On the river, you face piranhas, alligators, poisonous snakes and deadly electric eels. But the jungle hides more than physical danger. Anything could be hidden here. You stare at the pulsing lifeline of water and feel anxious to join your friends, who have already begun to penetrate its mysteries. With a start, you realise that you have lost track of time. You must have been looking at the river for hours. You hurry back. When you return to the hotel, the desk clerk rushes out to meet you. Where have you been? Where have you been? I don't know who I am. We have been looking for you. He's been practising his Portuguese. Okay. The clerk hurries you inside and presents you to a short, powerful-looking man. The man looks at you with bright, alert eyes. Ah, his name... Now, I'm going to tell you his name, and then we'll work out if I should do an accent. Yeah. His name is Uaduga. Now, Uaduga, I feel that I'm just going to offend lots of people if I try an accent. Can he be from Cornwall? Uh, sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, he's going to be from Cornwall. All right, King. Okay. Yeah. My name is Uraduka. I bring <laughs> bad news. Very bad news. Your friends are lost deep in the Amazon jungle. You are shocked and you don't know what to say. Six days ago, he says calmly, before the sun rose, came a song on the jungle flute. It lasted less than a minute. Then it came again and again and again. I warned your friends. But they did not listen. They were under the spell of the music. They disappeared and did not return. I fear for their lives. This is not the first time the jungle flute music has claimed sacrifices. You stare at this man, imagining the worst. At that moment, two police officers, members of the River Patrol, arrive. The hospital clerk has called them with the news of the disappearance of your friends. This is a serious matter, says one of the officers. We must organise a rescue party. We will go by River Patrol boat with a force of soldiers. It will take three days to arrange. You must wait here. The guide shakes his head. Well, that's no good. We must go at once. I will take you in my dugout canoe. Ah, we must go quietly so not to disturb the spirits of the jungle. The clerk suggests that you rent a plane and fly to the last known location of the expedition. Now, Damien, here's your first choices, of which, for the first time in the podcast series, there are three choices. I'm glad to be a part of this. (laughs) It's groundbreaking. It really is. You could decide to go with the guide in his canoe, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. You could decide to rent a plane and speed up the search and go to their last location, or you could decide to wait for the river patrol, but that might be a few days. Well, given my distrust of the uh, power structure in Brazil in the early 1980s, I'm, I'm not going to go with those police officers. That's not, that's, that is a, a good way to end up dead quick. Um, mm. I also don't know if I trust this man from Cornwall with. Uh, <laughs> 
with the name of the Yanomamo there. So uh, yeah, yeah. And and I I do recall saying that I I expected there to be small planes and I would be remiss if I didn't take a small plane. Also, I think that'll just move the action along. So why don't I, I go with the small plane? So the idea is to speed this up, ignore your Cornish guide, ignore yes. the river police, and go <laughs> and go and get a plane. Okay, well let's give it a go. I mean, right. I'm now going to refer to uh, Uaduga as the Cornish guide. By the way, yes, as one. Oh, can he can he can he be Irish or is that uh, <laughs> is that offensive on your side? Because over here we fetishize the Irish, so I don't know what what you all do over there. <laughs> Well, I will try an Irish accent uh, and uh, and uh, see how that goes. Okay. I don't mind offending the Cornish because I'm one of them, but the, the Irish? You decide to take the plane. The captain of the riverboat says, You are making a big mistake. This is very dangerous river. And besides, this is a police affair. You should not meddle. I'm not meddling, Captain, you tell him. It is my friends who are in danger. Time may be of the essence. And don't forget, I am a doctor. Perhaps my friends need my help. I suggest you follow your plan and head up river. I will meet you and tell you what I have found. The captain agrees to try your plan and, saluting curtly, he leaves to make his arrangements. Your Irish guide, (laughs) who brought the message, doesn't like your plan, though. The spirits of the jungle, the spirits of the jungle, are not to be trifled with. If they do not so like good. planes, things happen to people who take planes into the jungle. He warns, <laughs> not saying what kind of things he means. Please reconsider and come with me in my canoe. You are firm. No, I will take the plane. It will take a few hours to accomplish what will take in a few days by canoe. Then let me come with you, says the Irish guides. You will need my help. I mean, is that offensive? I don't know what accent that is. I, you know, I I am very much a redhead turning white uh, hair. So I've got the cinnamon and the sugar going on. So I I can absolutely claim Scotch-Irish heritage. and, And as an American who's been removed from that culture for literally generations no i'm not offended at all oh great 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 <laughs> perfect I've, yeah. I've, I've, you've got cover i've got cover <laughs> okay what about the things that happen to people who take planes in the jungle you ask your irish guide smiles you are taking a plane into the jungle i am just riding with you you like him you agree immediately at the airport a bored and sleepy attendant tells you that simone portillo the only pilot with a plane worth having is not there At this time of day, she is usually at the Black Cat Cafe. She is the owner. She will be back here probably in two hours. You groan. You've just come from the town. If you go back to the town, you may miss the pilot. But if you stay at the airport, there's no telling when she'll show up. And you're eager to get going. So, Damien, here's your choices. You could decide to go back into town to the Black Cat Cafe to find this Simone, or you could decide to wait at the airport for when she turns up. All right, so I'm still saving time because if I went with the, uh, the the Brazilian Janissaries, I'd be dead in a river in three days. Uh, if if I took the Irishman's dugout canoe, um, then <laughs> which is a phrase that I had a 50-50 shot I knew I'd say today. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. But uh, but uh, if I okay, so I've hurried up and waited. I'm not going to back down from that decision. But she has the plane, mm. and if I stay where the plane is, I'll get to her. But I don't know how many roads go into or out of the town that has the Black Cat Cafe. So the option of staying put seems very attractive to me. Oh wow! So you're just going to bide your time for a little bit? Well, I'm biding two hours in a trip that yeah. normally would take three days, so I've still got uh, 70 hours to play with before the the cops can say I told you so. You decide you better wait at the airport. She has to show up sooner or later. This is where her plane is. Besides, you're tired. And it's hot and dusty. <laughs> You're drinking a cup of coffee at a small canteen when a tall woman with long with long hair tied in a braid approaches. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Where where is Simone from? Do we uh, think? Let, Simone is a French name, so let's oh, keep on. Can, okay. Yeah, can you yeah, let's keep her French. Okay. I am uh, Simone. I understand you are <laughs> 
stock it. I, I am Simone. I understand you require my services. Yes, I'd like you to fly me and find an expedition I'm supposed to join. It has been lost. I believe my friends are in trouble and may need my help. Her eyebrows arch. It is a good thing you hired me and not some other so-called pilot around here. I will get you there and back out. <laughs> Sounds like someone very trying French. to do yeah. Very French. Somehow you believe this woman. You are glad you waited for her. You collect your gear. And you climb aboard this old and very capable looking plane, sliding into the uh, seat with a nod from the pilot. You watch as she goes through the pre-flight check. You are impressed with her care and thoroughness. She notices you are watching and she grins. If you don't take care of the little things, they become big things. And then who knows what may happen? That that sounds prophetic. That that sounds very prophetic. Like like there have been a few times where I've been warned. One when it turned from humid to dusty. By the way, that's a little worrisome. But uh, but uh, yeah, it's you don't get dusty with humid normally. So <laughs> you don't. Uh, but but her telling me that that sounds I don't know. And and the fact that it comes from such a, a renowned French expert as herself. I mean, and do you think it's foreshadowing what might happen? Taking care of the little things helps the big things not happen is that yeah. foreshadowing i i think that that's going to guide a few decisions and the trick is when when will those little things matter so i'm going to be listening for context clues on that before she rolls onto the one runway simone goes back to make sure that your irish guide is belted into his seat <laughs> then you are off The countryside rolls below like a green cloth seamed with a strip of brown. The Amazon River, even though you are not very high, 500 feet, the jungle is so thick that you cannot see anything but tops of trees and here and there a few small clearings. Simone shouts to you over the roar of the engine. Uh, we will make a stop for gas at a small emergency strip about halfway. You nod and they gaze back out the window. The heat of the plane from the engine and the sun make you drowsy. You awake to a bumpy landing on the dirt strip. While she fills the fuel tank in both wings, you say to your Irish guide to take a stroll and stretch your legs. Suddenly, the Irish guide darts into the jungle. Irish guide, you shout. What's the matter with you? Perhaps he's decided he doesn't like planes after all. But why didn't he say something? You feel like running after him, but you are unsure about leaving the plane. Now, here's your choice. Mm -hmm. If you go back to the plane and tell the pilot what's happened, that's one choice. You could go and say what's happened, your guide running away. Mm -hmm. Or you could decide to chase after your Irish guide. Oh, this, this, mm. see, I, given how vociferously both he and the uh, right wing gendarmes uh, were trying to get me into their boats, uh, both have me, I, I don't fully trust him. Uh, basically, I don't trust anybody with a boat, apparently, on a river. Uh, Is this some kind of childhood trauma you want to it, talk about, Damien? You know, uh, <laughs> want to talk about, no, but need to, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, I think I'm going to go back to the person who has the form of transportation that could get me out of trouble at a moment's notice. I'm going to go back and tell her. Simone. Because uh, when, when Irish guides are flying... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and that is why you are a pun master. Uh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, but, but why has he run off? We, we, could you think he was just trying to lure you into the jungle, possibly? I, that is because that is a possibility. And because I am so far out of my comfort zone of being in a hospital that has email in 1985, yeah. um, I, I am loath to go trekking into an area that I'm not necessarily prepared for, certainly not dressed for. Um, and I don't really know where I am. She does. So, yeah. And, and so, yeah, because that's a possibility, the, the rest of it gets a little bit uh, more dangerous. Okay. All right. Let's go back and alert her, the French lady, that your Irish companion has run away. 
You rush back to the plane. He's run off, you cry, in a rush to tell her everything. She listens without smiling or frowning. I thought he might, she says. Tell me, doctor, what would you have us do? Leave him here or chase after him to who knows where? Her words bring you up short. Perhaps you should just leave. But your Irish guide is the one who brought you the news about your friends. Maybe he knows more. The heat of the jungle is intense. You wipe your forehead with your bandana. Now here's another choice straight away. You could tell your uh, French pilot, let's search for him, at least for a while. He may have more information about the lost expedition. Or you could tell her, there's no telling where he is. We better be on our way. Oh, interesting. Mm. And what's my Irish guide's name again? Um, Jim. Jim? (laughs) Uwaduga. Oh, okay. So that is an Irish name, right? O apostrophe Aduka. (laughs) Oaduga. Oaduga. That's right. The, the Oadugas, that's right. They live down in, down the street in Dublin. I know them very well. The Oadugas. They, they're not to be trifled with. You, you don't want to get down the wrong side of them and the, the, the Mac Amazons, you know? Uh, oh, I'm going to hell in a handbasket. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. I He is my only contact as far as where the hell we're going. So yeah. we do need to grab him. Um, but I didn't want to go off alone and she knew to land here so she might know more about this I'm going to go ahead and uh, I need at least one person with me that I could throw in front of a snake if needs be so I'll take yeah I'll I'll, we're not going to ditch him we don't leave a man behind without knowing why you turn to her Let's search for him, at least for a while. He may have more information about the lost expedition. All right, Doctor, you are the boss. Wait for a second. She disappears into the plane. Moments later, she reappears, carrying a small backpack and two machetes, one of which she hands to you. Watch out for the snakes hanging from the trees. When you reach the spot where he ran off into the forest, Simone takes a compass out of her pack and checks the direction. Okay, let's go. Mr. Oaduga's path is fairly easy to follow. The jungle has sprung up to cover his track, but here and there are telltale broken branches and footprints that show the way. Simona keeps an eye on her compass. About five minutes later, she mutters, I think uh, I know where he's headed. Uh, We will take a shortcut. You wonder how she knows this, but when you ask her, she just says, I've done some exploring around here. Mm, Very mysterious. Yeah. I don't know if I'm trusting her very much anymore. No, but I did seek her out. She didn't come to me, so I'm not her mark. In a few minutes, you break out into a clearing. The canopy of trees above blocks the sky from view. The murky half-light reveals an ancient stone structure buried under green moss and shrubs. Uwaduga stands before a massive stone in the centre of a clearing. It's a temple, you claim. Simone mutters and says, very, very ancient. Uwaduga, hey, Uwaduga, you say to him, but he doesn't respond. Simone puts her hand up on your arm. Let him be. He'll be done in a few minutes. I don't know where she's from anymore. Anyway, you sit down on a clump of moss on a large square stone. Your mind, a jumble of questions. What is this place? What's he doing there? Why does Simone know so much about it? You start to question her, but she motions you to be silent, then points in Uwaduga's direction. Uwaduga has turned around and is standing now facing you. He looks different, larger, taller, and more confident. He speaks. Your friends have not come from here. To help them, you must go on foot alone in that direction. You will be met by people who are for aid. Then he turns and runs away again, vanishing into thin air. Simona says, we are nowhere near where your friends are reported missing. She pauses. It will be dangerous. His information could be wrong. You could also consider continuing with me to the original destination. So Damien, I think the choices are clear. Do you follow Mr. Uwaduga's instructions and go on your own? Or do you stay with the pilot and go with her to the original destination? So he's he's out of the picture now. He's Mr. Uwaduga. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's gone. He's run off. But he's, he says your friends were here and they went in that direction. You need to go and meet some people who will give you aid if you go in there alone. He said alone. Yeah, specifically alone. I do like the idea of meeting new people. Um, I, I gotta say, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, and It's exciting because of the accents that might come out of my face. Yes! Uh, <laughs> uh, and I feel like if I choose that, I am living up to the title of the book. Oh. Yeah, and yeah, okay. it's the little things. And uh, now she's also starting to try to convince me otherwise, and so far the adventure has taken turns for the fun when I ignore when people are like pleading with me to, to choose their choice. So right. I'm going to go off script and I'll probably regret this to my dying day, which is in like five minutes. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go off alone. I'm going to, I'm going to trust the, the Irishman and telling me uh, to take the high road and he'll take the low road. It's a risky strategy. It is. It is. But every time somebody has been, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if the other, people trying to convince me have been correct and I've just been bumbling the wrong way anyway. But I'm going to I'm going to stick true to form and I'm going to ignore when somebody pleads with me to try their choice. I've got to follow Uwaduga's instructions. You say to Simone, I have a feeling that he's right. Well, I wish you good luck, Doctor. You might be braver than I am. I doubt that I would go alone into the jungle to meet who knows what. Here, take my pack and my machete you're carrying. You may need it. The pack contains some medical and emergency supplies. Thanks. I appreciate your help, you say, as you shoulder the bag and head off in the direction you were told. Soon the jungle closes around you. You are not sure how you know you're going in the right direction, but you have confidence in Uwaduga. The bird cries aloud as you strike off into the jungle. The end. Damien, that, that's the end. Well, well, I lived up to the title of the book, at least. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, I, I really like these books, but that's not an end. <laughs> Do we want to rewind? I can come up with... Well, yeah, let's rewind a little bit, okay. because I think... Let's just discuss this ending a minute, right? Sure. So... So you go off in the direction that he said, <laughs> the and then end. it just goes, you had a nice walk. It doesn't. <laughs> oh, no, nah, you it's know. It's not an end. Never trust an Irish guide, I guess. That's really the lesson. No. Okay, if, if you were a child reading that book, if you were your daughter reading that book now, and that was your end, she would be disappointed. Oh, right? she would be very disappointed, yeah. yeah. Knowing her, she would have bookmarked the last page, though, gone back and been like, I didn't choose that anyway. <laughs> yeah, just because I feel that that is not an ending. I mean, no, again, no offense to R.A. Montgomery. There's a nice picture of a parrot on that page. Uh, that's not an end. Uh, should we should we see what happens if you go with Simone? Because I I don't feel that's an ending. That was just like, oh, you go on a nice walk in the jungle. Oh, okay, okay. I'll be honest with you. It's not looking good for you this way either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least there'll be an ending, though. Like this, well, we this so. feels like the end of Sopranos. You know, we're just mid sent. I think I should continue with you You tell Simone She shrugs If that is your decision, let's go She turns and slips out of the clearing into the jungle You follow Simone moves easy through the thick vegetation But you find it tough going Vines are tangled around your body And your hands soon are raw from pushing away vegetation The intense heat of the jungle forces you to stop You slump against a tree Simone, who hasn't seen you stop, continues In a moment you feel better And put your hand up to push yourself up Instead of a tree trunk, however You brush against a small green tree frog the slime it leaves on your hand startles you, but you soon recover from your fright. You won't recover, though, from the poison in the slime. Even now, it is working its way through your blood. The end. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. See, that one makes sense, I guess. Although, yeah. as a guy who's specialized in tropical diseases, I sure was cavalier about putting my hand on a frog. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> just 
Wow. Do, do you think that that was fate then? That the guy that was in charge of tropical diseases would be killed by a disease in the tropics? You know, it, it does it does feel like, you know, kind of the, the only one who could have saved myself was myself by giving myself better advice. Yes, it, it does yeah. feel. Yeah. Know, the, the irony is, is thick, uh, thickening even more as the poison gets into my blood and coagulates it. So, Gosh. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the book is uh, for children, so I'm glad he didn't go into details about how you're slowly going to rot from the insides or right. something. <laughs> I, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him, R.A. Montgomery. As an adventure goes, mm-hmm. how did you feel you did? Uh, highs and lows for you? Are you pleased with your outcome in the end if you were an eight-year-old reading this? I satisfied the title, so on a meta level, I'm very happy. Yeah. Um... Uh, because my character is now a lost, uh, so <laughs> very much so. Yes, in all senses. Uh, let's see. As a kid, I I was never good at these books as a kid. So you know, I'd get that bun and I'd go to Green Apple Books on Clement Street, um, and I would sit in their front lobby, you know, feet in the air, reading through. And they had no problem with it. They liked having kids around reading because um, okay. it meant they weren't getting abducted. And uh, so. I was never good at these. I've never gone through to a successful conclusion that didn't end with me dying or becoming a civil servant and living a very dull life. You know? mm. Uh, mm. So was I satisfied? No. Uh, did I see it coming? Yeah, probably. Like this is this is kind of my mo through these books is <laughs> is to die by frog. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, death by frog. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. can't beat it. So, <laughs> I well, mean, uh, I, there yeah. was one where I got killed by a young uh, Polish uh, uh, lancer. Um, it was it was oh. a tadpole. Um, so, <laughs> oh no, we're going to go into pun territory. <laughs> oh, I've come unarmed. Oh no, <laughs> I, I really thought that that going off on my own was a better idea. Uh, clearly, it didn't end with my death. But she even gave me a pack and all this kind of. I had a lot of details, and then suddenly it just ended. Death. Yeah, yeah. you know. So yeah, this is. Uh, I couldn't call out to her, say, "Hey, wait a minute, Simone." Like, no, apparently yeah. not. No. So very unsatisfied on some levels. Uh, as an eight-year-old, I would have been like, "Well, okay, start again." Let's. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. let's go back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Damien, so lovely to have you on here. Um, And thank you for voyaging with me and just letting me into your world of these books for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, If people want to find out more about you, and I I urge them to because you do some tremendously funny stuff online. Um, Where could they do that and look for you on on the socials? Well, on the Twinsta, as we call it out here, so Twitter and Instagram, I'm at DaHarmony. That's D-U-H-H-A-R-M-O-N-Y. You can find me there. Um, every Tuesday night, you can find me uh, doing my, my pun tournament with my partner, Daniel Humbarger and Mark Berg um, at uh, twitch.tv forward slash capital puns. Um, there is a replay, so you don't have to get up at four in the morning to watch it uh, if you're in the UK, which is nice. I've also got a, a podcast where we do real deep dives into nerdy, geeky culture um, and tie them to history with my partner, Ed Blaylock. Um, and that's called uh, A Geek History of Time. Um, and it's almost 100 episodes thick uh we we get into everything from giant robots is america's fear of the japanese economy in the 1980s to uh the wrestling territories are america's uh post-civil war uh lost cause ideology to uh, we we talked about cartoons that should have made it we figured out what superheroes should have been in which harry potter house um there i mean we just we run the gamut it, it is a buffet uh, look for you know all kinds of fun stuff that you like. Um, uh, Tolkien was writing an accidental analogy to uh, allegory to World War One, uh, you know, and, and just all. I mean, it, there is something for everyone, you know. Fantastic Four is the uh, grotesque uh, picture of the United States uh, nuclear family during the nuclear age, stuff like that. Well, listen, people should uh, find you and find some of those brilliant uh, things to entertain themselves in these dark and weird times. I suppose the last thing to do on our quest through the Amazon, Mm. Damien, tell me your final thoughts that you're going to write down (laughs) or vocalise in your diary as you slump by this tree and be killed by frog poison. What are your final thoughts? Uh, 
Do I do it as a scientist to leave the journal for someone else who will find out, okay, these are the end stages of frog poisoning? Or do I curse uh, that, that bloody Irishman who led me out here and the French woman who abandoned me? Also, why am I pushing away vegetation with my hands when she gave me a damn machete? Like Get, Getting rid of jungle vegetation with a machete? That's mm-hmm. cutting edge stuff. <laughs> okay. Ah. Well okay. done. Well done. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Still better. Voyage of the Page Turner featured the books of author R. A. Montgomery, hosted by Colin Lego, featuring special guest Damien Harmony, voiceover by Samuel Thomas, produced by Colin Lego. Special thanks to Anne McGinley. You could find us on Instagram and Twitter at Page Turner Show. Find us, message us, like us. Until we meet next time, remember, choose wisely.